So we read this, this scripture, Exodus 31 verse 1 to 5, where I showed you that the anointing is more than just falling over. Okay? Um, someone is not just anointed because he can pray for someone to fall over or he can wave his hand and everyone gets electrified. That can, that is included, okay? But the anointing is more than that. And I, I explained that the anointing is like an equipment, a skill, something, empowerment that God gives to you. And so, um, I think in the Bible school, I explained anointing like this. I said if you had a toolbox, a toolbox, and in that, out of the toolbox, you wanted to change, what do you call it, the, the handle, the baby, baby crown at the tap. There's a little, I don't know what's the English word now, the washer, it's the washer, okay, washer. You want to take the washer out and replace it, then you need certain tools. And obviously one of the first things, okay, besides switching off the water, but you would get a, a flat screwdriver and you would hit the, the front little, you got those little things there that show you this is cold water, hot water, and you tap it there so you can take it out. And once you take it out, then you get, depending upon what, uh, whatever is there, you get a flat or a star, so you use the star. And then you'll unscrew it and then you pull it out and then you say oh my goodness i need a spanner now now you get a spanner and you gotta untie it there or unwind it and anointing is like tools um, if you're going to and it's almost like tools and gifts if you're going to heal someone then you need the power to heal if you are going to lead you need wisdom understanding so you need that anointing and uh, if you are going to prophesy you need the spirit of prophecy to be present what do you want to do you want to speak prophetically to people anointing helps you to accomplish the goal right it helps you to accomplish the goal and many times when um, the problem is is that we have the anointing upon us when it comes upon us uh, in the old charismatic then we want people to fall all right and that's where we start pushing people we want them to fall so that we can but that is because we have a desire to show ourselves powerful show ourselves great and we just need to to die to that thing that desire uh, to be great to be someone and just let that thing die and so we don't want people just to fall over if you fall over but nothing happens um, then what was the reason okay so the anointing doesn't come upon us it, it comes upon us to achieve a certain goal so whenever God when God wanted David to be king he anointed him to be king you see the Spirit of God came upon David to be king so that he could so he was equipped by the Spirit of God to rule as a king, right? Whenever God wanted people to do something, he anointed them to do it. 
Okay, so if he wanted them to minister in the tabernacle, they were anointed to minister in the tabernacle. So anointing is to empower us to accomplish something. And that's what we need to see. So let's just read this one. And the Lord spoke unto Moses saying, See, I have called you by name, uh, called by name, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Next one. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. So God has said, I have filled him with the Spirit. And I told you that in Acts chapter 2, what happened to the people? They got filled with the Spirit. Day of Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit. So here, the uh, Bezalel was filled with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. I think another scripture will say to be uh, artisan. Next one, verses 4. And to devise cunning works, to work in gold, and in silver, and in brass. Right? So, this guy could work with it. In cutting of stones, uh, to set them, and in carving of timber, he's your carpenter. He was filled with the Spirit to be a carpenter, to work in all manner of workmanship. So he could work with stones. If you read on, you could see that these guys uh, could, uh, could make clothes also. They were filled with the Spirit to make clothes, to understand God's design for making the clothes. They were filled with the Spirit to work with the wood. They were filled with the Spirit to make designs. They were filled with the Spirit to, to shape those boxes of gold and to make all these type of things. So when we see this, we see that the Spirit of God can help us, can help us with our work, with where we find ourselves. So it, it doesn't only mean that if you, are, if you have the Spirit of God, you can only function spiritually or with the Spirit here in this setting. Right, so you're waiting. Maybe you may be waiting until when you can prophesy to someone, or or when you can pray for someone to something to happen, or give a word, things like that. But now you see, you can actually go with the spirit of God into into your workplace, and you can, and He can help you to do your work. And that's what we need to understand and and see that. So uh, let's go to Genesis chapter. 41 verses 38. I read to you this one also two, two Sundays ago. And this is, where, this is where Joseph just came out of prison. And Pharaoh had the dream and he interprets the dream. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is a man in whom is the Spirit of God? So, when he interpreted the dream for him, not only interpreted the dream, he also gave him advice on what he should do so, how, so that they could survive the famine. And then Pharaoh recognized that this was the sign, or he said, can we find another man in whom the Spirit of God is, or whom is filled with the Spirit? So, in other words, 
Joseph was filled with the Spirit. God called him, filled him with the Spirit to be able to lead a nation or to save a nation from a Great Depression or economic crisis. He was filled with the Spirit to do that. So here, salvation, Joseph's salvation was in economics. Okay? Economics has to do with the organizing of money and the resources of a country and nation. So Joseph will come and he will save Egypt from just an economic collapse and a, a depression upon the people. And he was, he was called to do that so that Jacob and his family would also be able to survive the famine. Right? So he saved his family and he was filled with the Spirit to do that. And so we can see that we've got to start feeling comfortable, right? We have to start feeling comfortable with um, the Holy Spirit helping us to work. Because the only time we, 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 we tend, it's not everybody, but in general, Christians, the only time they feel they can call upon the Spirit is either if you're in trouble, okay, or if you need to minister to someone or pray for someone or do something in that line or if you want to pray to God or if you need some guidance in your life and decision. But whereas, whereas connecting with the Spirit of God to be able to do your work wherever you find yourself. That if you are a carpenter, you can connect with the Spirit to do carpentry work. That if you are doing jewelry, cuttings of stones and, and all those things, you can call on the Spirit of God to help you to design the jewelry. You understand? That if you are going to make clothes for people, you can call on the Spirit of God to help you to design clothing that people would like. You understand? And that, and in that sense, we, I, I don't know, I haven't come across, we are not really tapping into God in that way. Right? You go to work and you're on your own, you feel, you're using your own ideas, your own, your own uh, plans, all those type of things, um, because you're not in, including God in your work. You separate God from your work. Now remember I told you that if you separate God from your work, you are secular. Because secular means to be non-spiritual, to be non-religious. And I told you that God, if He's going to be revealed, He's revealed in works. Let your light so shine and then men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So God is glorified by works. So you can't separate God from works because God is revealed in works. And there's another scripture somewhere in Peter or Timothy where it says, you know, um, when, when, when people speak evil of you, when people speak evil of you, take it patiently. And let them see your works that they may glorify your Father. So in other words, it's not by the speaking, it's by the works. Right? 
the speaking comes afterwards. Or if there's an opportunity beforehand, then you can speak. But God is revealed in works. And then we have to, and to, for those works to reveal God, we have to get light from God. What is light? It is a revelation. It is knowledge. So we need, but we can't do that if we still feel that God can't speak to us. Right? God can't teach us about our works. Then we can never get light. If you don't feel that God can help you to understand your schoolwork, when you are struggling to understand your schoolwork, then you'll never ask Him to help you. I have an uncle in South Africa who's also a pastor, and uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he didn't really go study or anything like that, but, it, but he needed to go study to get that certificate for being a pastor. And so, when he went to go and study, uh, or when he went to go write the exam, he didn't exactly know what, and the Lord gave him the exam paper. In the dream, he saw the, all the questions and all the answers, and he went and he passed easily. Why? Because the Lord wanted him to get through. Yeah, he's also uh, currently because of this land that he, that he wants for the church, and uh, so, by some uh, divine way, he's now all of a sudden um, on a board where they, where, on the municipality or something like that, where they're speaking about the land and things. He, when he goes into the meeting, the Lord will show him what is going to take place in the meeting. He will know what they are going to discuss. And when he comes there, he's advanced. And they can't understand. Because here's this guy, he knows what they're going to discuss in the, and he's giving them the answer. You can even tell them what they're going to discuss without them having even shared it. And he's got many such examples. But it's because what the, what the Lord wants to do with him and what the Lord wants to achieve is important. And he is a man that, that has given his life over to the Lord. So, um, so but you see, if you can't, if you can't, see God in your work, if you can't see God in your school, if you can't see God in your everyday life, how God can help you, then you don't see, then you only think of God when you get home or when you get up early in the morning, you need to pray. Or when you, or when it's time to read your Bible, then you think of God. Or when you, when you come to, to a a church gathering, where the church gathers, then you call on God. Then you think on God. But otherwise, or if you're in love with God, you'll probably think about Him every time, every day, everywhere where you are. That's you in love. But, but then you're not asking Him actually to help you in your work. You're just saying, because you're so in love, oh God, you're just the best. Yeah, right? But you're not asking Him for guidance in your work. And so you need to see God can be in work. In fact, God wants to be seen in the work. And here we see that Pharaoh recognized God by Joseph's answers. All right? And so here we can see that Joseph used his gifts in the workplace. 
right? At this moment, most of the church only wants to use the gifts again in this setting. We can't, we can't get our gifts to... What about, what about in your workplace having the word of prophecy? To know things future. What is going to happen with this company? Or what's going to happen with this, this place where I'm working? And God can show you and you can have insight. Yeah, God showed Pharaoh what was going to happen with the nation. And he gave, he trained Joseph to help them to survive through that crisis that was going to come. So you all need to see that. You really need to change your mind. God can be in my schoolwork. God can help me to study. God can be... God can be in my workplace. God can be with me in the government. God can be with me in designing clothes. God can help me to teach. God can, he can empower me to do these things. Right? And uh, I'm trying to rewire your, your brains, right? And your minds so that we can start to see how we can use this Bible to, to be able to teach us things. And, and not just teach us about our relationship with God. And not just teach us how we are sons. And not just teach us about Jesus died for us on the cross. And not just teach us about, you know, our salvation. And, and how much He loves us. And, and all those things we need. But if we can't see that this Word can teach me more than that. Then, then all I'm left, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm in a box. I am stuck there and we need to get out of that box. We need to get out of that wine skin. Okay? We need to get out of that wine skin and we need to get into another wine skin so that we can drink new wine. So the wine can be poured within that skin. So we can function differently because otherwise we will just continually to function within this wine skin and won't know how to use God outside. We can only use God or only work with God inside this setting, this wine skin, because we are confined by that mentality. And that mentality needs to break, it needs to get out, right? God wants to break us out of that, that mentality of just using God here. Otherwise, we'll never be able to work with God in our workplaces. Okay, so go with me to Genesis chapter 39 verses 1 we want to study joseph a little bit and see the anointing that's at work in his life what does the anointing do it teaches us is that not right first john chapter 2 verses 27 the anointing teaches us all things right and the anointing is and the bible says about jesus how god anointed him with the holy spirit so, the Holy Spirit is the one that teaches. I believe that the Holy Spirit is the one that taught Joseph how to do his work. And gave him keys. And you will see that same thing in the life of Daniel. But we're not going to look at Daniel now. So, Genesis 39 verses 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. He was sold. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down to that place. So he's sold as a slave. He's a slave. He's 
I'm sure all of you have watched movies on slavery and those type of things. Yoshi, you get the type of picture what Joseph is. He's sold as a slave. But he's so, he's so trained and skilled by the Holy Spirit that when he starts functioning, by the time, give him a couple of years, he's on top of the ladder. The, this Joseph, you can sell him as a slave, he'll be on top. You can put him in prison, even in prison, he'll be the overseer. Everywhere he goes, he just seems to climb up. Because that's just the way he functions. That's the way he's anointed to work and to do his things. And uh, in Genesis 49, the Bible, when Jacob speaks about Joseph, he says, you are like one of those plants. Your branches climbs over the walls. That means every restriction there is on you. It doesn't matter what restriction there is. You'll just climb over it. You'll just grow over it. They can put another wall there. You'll just grow over it. You are that plant. You just climb over everything. I don't know what you, what you call those plants. Or is it, but you all know what I'm talking about. Okay, you all know those. So, he can't be stopped. He just prospers. He just flourishes. Right? And so, um, let's read verses 2. Okay, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So the first point there in that scripture is, the Lord was with Joseph. So in that point, you've got to be able to see that God is with me in my school. God is with me in school. God is with me at work. If you, if you can't get that one through, then you're going to struggle. It has to, you have to see that God is with you. But because the only time you think God is with you is if you have, if you can feel Him. So when you're at work, you try to feel Him, and that makes it difficult to feel that God is with you. Because to feel that God is with you, you kind of have to have a mind that's constantly thinking on Him. And not on your work. And then what happens? You don't think on your work. Because you're, you're, you're praising God. Right? You're having a, a Holy Ghost experience. And uh, people come to you and say, Is he alright? It's fault. Are, are you fine? What's wrong? You know? And people can't understand. No, no, no. I'm okay. I'm okay. You know? You don't know how to explain. The Lord is now with me. Right? But... Um, you see, you can't function like it. And, uh, and that's why we have to be able to function just being the way like this. And we have to function by the Spirit, knowing that we can do our work without having a struggle. You've got to break through and know the Lord. You've got to know the Lord is with you. You are the temple. If the Bible says that the Spirit of God was in Joseph, it means Joseph was the temple. And from this we can see why God made us the temple. 
Why he shifted from a literal building to the people as his temple? Because he wanted to be with you wherever you go. And he wants you to know that he's with you. You, you, you've got to train yourself. God is with me when I'm at my workplace. You've got, to, you've got to build that mentality. God is with me at school. The next one is, and he was a prosperous man. Prosperous man. The word prosperous means someone who was successful. Someone who was profitable. Someone who knows how to push forward or push things forward to advance. That's what the word prosperous means. Okay, so, and the name Joseph means to be fruitful or increase. That's what Joseph's name means. So obviously that helps you now to understand Joseph's mentality. Have you, ever, have you ever come across the, those people? It doesn't matter where, wherever they are, whatever. So, no, no, we're going to make this thing happen. We are going to just do it. It's going to happen. We're just going to... Their, their mindset is just like that. Um, they refuse the negativity and they just... We're going to make it happen. Their mindset is just, and they're just like, we will, we will make it. We will increase. We will. There's no ways it's not going to work. If there's a problem, we just work around it. It's going to happen. We're going to make it work. We'll just find the way. Right? Their, their, their mentality is that of increase, uh, is, is that mentality. So if you're, going to, if you're going to come into this one, you're going to have to change the mind. Okay, you're going to have to make your mind in that way. You're going to have to um, reset your mindset. It's just going to work no matter what. Okay, give me verses 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Okay, now we want the boss, the master, the supervisor, the manager, we want them to see that the Lord is with you. Right? That's what you want. You want them to see that the Lord is with you. Remember, why are you called? You are called to make God known. You are called to make God visible. Is that not your calling? You are the image of God. What does God want in the earth? His image. God created the earth and everything and then He put His image on the earth. He said, be my image. I, what, does that, what does that tell you? That God wants His image in the earth. God wants to be visible in the earth. So, you want, wherever you go, you want people to see that the Lord is with you. But how are they going to see that? And that the Lord, okay, he says his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And so the previous verse tells you, verses 2 says, the Lord was with him and he was a prosperous man. Okay, and then it says, and his master saw. So how are they going to see that the Lord is with you? By the fact that your work prospers. By the fact that everything that is in your hand flourishes. 
goes forward. When you at school, you must become the pre you must become prefix. You must become um, you must become the children that stand out. You must be so smart because of God helping you. Because God helping you to understand your schoolwork. God helping you. You must be set apart from the others. You must become unique, peculiar. They must say, yes, I don't understand how you get it right, but you get it right. Right? They must be able to see in you that whatever is with you prospers. When you're in school, the teachers must ask you to look after the kids when the teacher goes out for a while. Because they know. That's what they must see. When you're at work, you must go there and the people must be able to see that when it's in your, as it in Johannes, means, they just love to put it in your hands. They just want you to do everything. They're not looking for somebody else. They want it in your, now we can't let the sinner, the unbeliever beat us. Come on, we've got an unfair advantage. We are anointed. We have Christ in us. We've got the spirit of the living God. We got the creator who created everything. We connected to the mind of God. We should have an unfair advantage. We should have. We should come up with the ideas and they say, wow. You understand? There is, uh, they, when it's in your hand, it must prosper. Deuteronomy says, in the book of Deuteronomy, this is, this is only Genesis. This is coming now many years later. In Deuteronomy, God says, I will bless the works of your hands. That means when your hands, when something comes under your hands, it has to be blessed. It has to prosper. And it doesn't matter in which setting you find yourself. That this principle goes into government, goes into, goes into business, it goes into schools, banking, doesn't matter. Uh, wherever you are, even in this setting, in a local church, that must be the principle. When it's under your hand, it must prosper. When it's under your hand, it must go forward, it must push forward. It must have an unusual thing about it. Do you understand that? So that was what made Joseph's master, his boss, the CEO, the supervisor, the manager, the principal, your, cla your class teacher. That's what makes them see that the Lord is with you. You understand? There's got to be something peculiar about you. Something different about you. Something that makes you stand out. But it's, it's going to be difficult to use your anointing if you, can't, if you can't even bridge the fact that God is with you in the workplace. Or God is with you in your school. Or God can help me in my studies. God can help you understand a contract. God can help you understand the exam question that you don't understand. He can give you understanding. 
You see, we got to, we've got to open our understanding. We've got to broaden our understanding. We've, we can't limit it like that anymore. Okay? You, you can't... Um, sometimes, sometimes we can only prophesy pastors. We can only prophesy apostles. But we can't prophesy presidents, lawyers, teachers, bankers... Right? That's why the only people that get prophecies are those who call to be pastors and apostles and prophets, evangelists and teachers. The majority is about them and the rest of us, oh, here do I have a calling? <laughs> yeah, because we can't prophesy. Because we're, having, we're not opening up our minds. So we can't prophesy lawyers. We can't prophesy judges. We can't prophesy the next king. Samuel prophesied the next king. He prophesied to governments. Prophesied over nations. Prophesied the next uh, teacher. Or whatever. You understand? You've got to open your mind. You've got to get out of that wineskin. Right? Can as die snake fell after We've got to broaden our mindset. Otherwise, we can't see how God can help us. We can't see how God can help us in school. We can't see how God can help me to stand in school, to be different, to make, to be an example and all those type of things. We can't. Because we only find God in the meeting, church meeting. That's the only time He's with me. Or four o'clock this morning when I got up to pray. The Lord was there. Oh, and you left him at home. Right? You didn't take him with you to work. You understand? The mindset. The mindset that needs to that we need to bridge that mindset. We need to cross that mindset. Give me the next verse. You want your boss, your principal. Your school teacher, your supervisor, manager, CEO, whoever. You want them to see that the Lord is with you. And they're going to see it by the fact that when, it's, when you, anything comes under your hand, it prospers. But it's going to prosper because you know that God is with you. And Joseph found grace in his sight. Now, now look, it doesn't say... This is not saying that Joseph found grace in the sight of God. It says now his master, okay, if you read it in context as you go down, and Joseph found grace in his sight, in his master's sight. That means all of a sudden he's getting favor with the boss. He's getting favor with the supervisor. He's getting favor with the, the manager or operational manager or whoever. He's getting favor with the principal and the school teachers. He's getting favor. And then now you put him in prison, he gets favor. You take him out of prison, he gets favor. But you can't want favor and you're not, you understand, you don't even know the verse 2 and verses 3. 
that we just spoke about. He was a prosperous man. Anything under his hand flourished. He knew that God was with him. And so wherever he was, he flourished. So what God is trying to tell us, if you're going into your workplace, you need to know I'm with you. Because Joseph has just been sold from his family. Right? And is now in Egypt. He's away from a nation that, I think it's called theocracy, where God is in government and so on, those type of things. So, um, so he found grace in his sight. The word grace, the Hebrew word means favor. He found favor. Favor at work with your boss or whoever comes because of the way you do things. You understand? So, and this is not where you can, you just now claim, God, I'm your son, give me favor. You know, you say, where can I believe? Okay? And then the key word here that I want to kind of zoom on a little bit later on, he served him. That's the mindset that you must have. You must get past just seeing yourself as a worker. You must be able to serve your school. How can you serve your school? How can you help your school? How can you help your teacher? Your principal? Right? The prefect body. How can you help? How can you serve? How can you make something lighter? How can you go and serve at your workplace? So if it means he served him, we will see that when he served him, it meant, it meant that he came to that place and he made sure that he was not there to work for himself. He was there to work for the person. Because you're going there to serve. You know, that principle is even also in the church. Again, that's a principle that goes in any area. The people that grow the quickest are the people who serve spiritually. The people that, that jump spiritually are the people who serve. The people that develop themselves the quickest are the people who serve. Why? Because when you serve, you have to use what you got. Which means you bring it out. If you're going to serve... At your workplace, you're going to have to use your, your gifts, your talents, your mindset, your knowledge, everything that you have. You have to use it. If you are going to serve someone in a church setting, you're going to have to use. If you want to pray for that person, you're going to have to tap. You're going to have to use the, the Spirit of God in you to understand what to say. You're going to have to tap into the word of knowledge or to the word of prophecy. To serve that person to the best. Especially if you're going to pray. Because the first thing you say, Don't know what to pray. But you're going to have to trust God. In the kingdom and in the workplace, the people who grow, the people who, who jump, boom, boom, just like it, are the people who serve. If you get that one, if you get that one right, not always wanting to be served, but you serve. That's why Getting hurt in church is so, is so bad for you if you don't know how to handle the hurt because 
The minute you, the minute you get hurt, say you and a, a brother and a sister or a sister and a sister, there's issues. You will stop serving that person. Right? You will stop serving, which means you will stop functioning. Which means you will shut down. Which means you can't develop. Serving is one of the major keys. And if you go to work, you have to know how to serve. You have to know how, what can I do for you? What do you want? Or, uh, I'm here. Whatever you tell me you need, I'll do it. Or, I've got ideas. Whatever, you've got to use what you have to make it work for that person. Okay, we'll talk about that a little bit just now. And he made him overseer over his house and all that he had he put into his hands. How did Joseph get? See, that's promotion. Before promotion comes servanthood. You're just going through the verses and you see all the keys. If you at school, when you serve, when everything, when you are unique and peculiar, and you find ways of helping your teacher, your principal, or the school, or something like that, if you do that, you will find yourself that you will be number one choice. When you represent your school in a good way, you will become number one choice. You become the one that they want to use. Right? He served and made him overseer. Right? Over his house. And all that he had, he put into his hand. Why? Because he saw whatever was under his hand prospered. So this guy said, man, why don't I just put everything under his hand? Everything under his hand. Next one. Verses 5. And it came to pass from the time, listen, from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. Can your school become blessed because of you? What is, what is the blessing of Abraham? Right? Let's, let's read a scripture. I'm now swear. Genesis 22 verses 16 to 18. Genesis 22, verses 16 to 18. And said by myself, this is where Abraham had to offer up his only son. And he was about ready to offer his son. And God said, whoa, whoa, wait. Just hang on a bit. And then he said, and God said, by myself have I sworn, says the Lord. For because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, Verse 17. 
that in blessing I will bless you and in multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies next one and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice the word for nations means Gentiles means heathen in other words Egypt was a Gentile nation in regard to Israel. Israel saw all the other nations as heathens, as Gentiles. That's why the Bible only talks about the Jews and the Gentiles or Israel and the Gentiles. Because whether you're American, South American, Botswana, Angola, Namibia, doesn't matter if you're not a Jew, literally out of physical birth then then you are considered a gentile in the flesh so god said through your seed the nations must become blessed so god took one of those joseph and and he got sold into egypt and the bible says and the lord blessed the egyptian that guy does not that guy is serving another god he's not serving the god of joseph but he's i think by now he's intrigued with the god of joseph by now he's seeing that there's another they this god of joseph is it's honest but he's serving another god he has another god and and God's and the Bible says because Joseph was there go back to um, what was it Genesis 39 thing verses 5 because Joseph was there the Lord blessed the Egyptian listen which means your boss must be blessed because you're there God must bless him that is the covenant of Abraham And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer. Now, you see, listen, I'm showing you all the principles of how Joseph just jumped. What made him pro be promoted? Right? That he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Why did the Lord bless him? For Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. Right? Everything he had. Why? The blessing, God's blessing, was on the Egyptian's house. And on everything he had. Why? Because everything was under Joseph's hand. So, what must happen when you go to work and you don't have the top position but you have your work your work must be flourishing prospering 
and when it's compared to someone else there must be an unusual thing about it that they look at the two and they say yo we just want this guy let's just put this guy on top let's just bring everything under his hand because when it gets then you know what they, they start they start testing it they start giving you more work they give you more work and they see oh, that guy that guy that guy and then the blessing comes upon listen the Lord will bless your boss that's how they see that's how they come to know your God not the other one who say I don't want Christians working for me because they're the laziest people they don't want to serve they do their own thing all those type of things and then they say Christians you see because I think grace has made it a little bit we need to know God not only in the area of grace we need to know that he is just we need to know that he hates robbery we need to know that God is a God of integrity and excellence. His word is His honor. He honors His word above His name. If He says to you, I'll do it, do it. But we say and we don't do. It's easy for us to say and break our word. But we don't know God says and keeps His word. We must also put that on display. If I see that that is who God is, He will say something and He will keep to His word, then I have that responsibility of revealing that. I will say it and I will keep my word. We have that responsibility. If God, if God is on time, come on, how many of you said, God's never late? He's never early. He's always on time. Okay? Now why aren't you on time? Huh? Is that how you put God on display? Right? If God is on time, you have the responsibility of revealing the same characteristics as God. If God is reliable... We must know that the Christians must be the most reliable. If I can trust God, I must know I can trust Christians. Do you understand that? You've got to reveal that also about God. So, uh, give me the next one. Verse 6. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not what he had. Save the bread, except for the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. I mean, there was such high level of integrity and trust and faithfulness in Joseph that imagine... Imagine your boss left you and you could do anything and he knew it was okay. 
Doesn't even have to check up on you. All he does, he go play golf. Right? Go drink some coffee. Okay? He know he just knows at the end of the month there's the money in the bank. I create say profit from the company. And he doesn't even know what's happening at the company. But all he knows is that company is flourishing. All he knows is the one who is in charge. The one who he made overseer. He can trust him. Nothing will be missing. Such a high level of trust. That all Potiphar knew was the bread he was eating. Otherwise, he didn't even know what he had. Unless, obviously, Joseph came and told him and, and let him know. Right? These are the principles that are very important. Once we move into the workplace, these are the principles. And why does God want you to come into the position of overseer? Or a high position. I realized we're not always looking for the chief position. You're not always looking, as for say for example, if you're working for somebody else, it's his company. You're not always looking to be the one who took over his company. No, you're looking for the influence. Because the way you subdue is by shaping the minds. If you can shape the mind, you will subdue. The influence. You're looking for the influence. You're looking for the ability. You're looking for that person to lend his ear to your voice. You want, to, you want him to come to a place where he's listening for your counsel. Because he knows what you do pushes forward, prospers. You've got the answer to it. So he, you want him, you want the way you do your work, you want to influence the person. And by influencing, you subdue. Because what is our war? Our wars with mindsets. You could be, you could be, you could take the company over and nobody want to know your God. But you want to have the ability to influence the mindset of that person. And we won't read it today, but you will see Joseph... The Bible says that Joseph was a father to Pharaoh. So Joseph wasn't the king, but he was second in charge. But Pharaoh listened to him. And the Bible says that Joseph fathered Pharaoh, which meant that he influenced Pharaoh. That means Pharaoh didn't do something without Joseph's advice. Joseph determined the laws in that nation. Joseph determined how they would do. I mean, Pharaoh did the same thing Potiphar was doing. He went and had coffee. He went and relaxed. And Joseph was just managing everything, taking it over, running it, everything. And he knows he can trust Joseph. So how trustworthy are you?
So these small little things, if you say, I'm coming at two o'clock, two o'clock. If you say you're coming, uh, if you say, I'll be there, I'll be there. If you say, if you say you can count on me, that must become contract, your word. Your word must be more powerful than a contract. Your word must bring you in bondage. It's true. Your word must be so valuable that when people know, yeah, if you say, I'm coming, they know, diamond, come. You know he's going to show up. Right? The, if, if, People must know if you say, if there's trouble, I'll be there. Then they must know if there's trouble. You can sing that song. I'll be there. <laughs> right? You know that guy's coming. You know that person's coming. Trustworthy. Okay? I don't know if that's a gospel song, but whatever. Right? You understand? Those are important things that we need to build into our lives. That is how we represent God. That is how we present God. It doesn't help. You pray for someone to get healed and then you cheat in business. That one's praising you, but the other person's saying, I don't want nothing to do with you Christians. You understand? It can't be like that. If you can't, Give glory to God by the way you live. You know, then we might just well keep quiet. Our life must put God on display. The way we do something must make people see the Lord is with you. Not because you tell them about Jesus. Right? If you gave your heart to the Lord in school, there must be a notable difference between you and the kids. They mustn't know you have changed. You've given your life to Christ. You must be willing to stand and say, no, I won't do those things anymore. It must be something that must be seen. Right? What else is there? In any, everything that was in his hand. What high level of trust? Give me Matthew chapter 24 verses 45. We're talking about principles of promotion. Who then is a faithful and wise servant... Whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. A servant, Jesus says, we will promote servants who are faithful and wise. In the kingdom, faithfulness, wisdom, servanthood, we promote you, we will, you will no longer just be a servant you'll become a ruler in my house he takes the faithful and the wise servant and makes him ruler 
What did Potiphar do? He took the slave who served him and who was faithful and wise in his work, prosperous, and he made him ruler over everything in his house. Promotion. So the word faithful means trustworthy, dependable, committed. Faithful. That's what the word faithful means. It means trustworthy. Today there's too many sticky fingers. Right? There's can we trust? Trust, which is an important characteristic that, that you must build into your life. You must be trustworthy. So if you can't rock, if you can't come to work on time, how can we trust you? If you can't come to school on time, how can we trust you? If you can't in, in your classroom, listen to the teacher, how can we trust you? If you can't do the work the way you were told to do the work, how can we trust you? If things are disappearing under your hand, how can we trust you? If you are put in charge over something and it breaks and everything and it's just gone and we don't know where it is and no one knows, how can we trust you? Who is a faithful and wise servant who is a trustworthy servant who is a dependable servant who is a committed servant whom we know we can lean on him you can sing in that song lean on me right faithful and wise servant wise that's the other principle wise we don't want to learn in school today And then, we don't want to learn, but we want. We work, we don't want to learn. We don't want to educate. We don't want to acquire wisdom. The book of Proverbs says, above all you're getting, get wisdom. Understanding and knowledge. Above everything that you get, before you look for the silver and the gold, before you look for the money, get wisdom. It's more precious than rubies. I can guarantee you, your boss is not going to... I'm sorry I'm going to say it like this, but if you're dumb, your boss is not going to make you overseer. If you don't want to learn, but you have the Holy Spirit... You should have an unfair advantage. The Bible says about Daniel, when they were taken from Israel and they were brought to Babylon, the Bible says that they found Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego wiser than all the others. Why? Because he had the Spirit of God in him. You have an unfair advantage because you have grace. What is grace? Grace is God's empowerment. 
Grace is something that God gives you that you will become everything that God made you to be. That's what grace is. Paul said, I am what I am. By grace. That means grace has made me what I am. Unfair advantage. Right? No one is going to make you. If you're lazy to learn, lazy to... No one is going to make you, put you into a position. Right? And... Even or no one's not no one's even gonna allow you to influence that position or the person in that position. They won't listen to you. The principle is the same in the church. Christians don't want to read, Christians don't want to learn, Christians don't want to educate themselves. The principle is the same. This principle goes anyway if you don't want to learn how do you expect spiritual promotion educate yourself right the problem is the world educates you and you've got no biblical education by the time you get to the world you are brainwashed you can't even discern what is wrong and right from what you are learning because you have no biblical understanding and if and if all we can learn is about my relationship with God and I can't use the Bible to teach me principles at work principles at school if this Bible can't teach me that then I will have no biblical understanding to discern what I am learning when I go into business. What am I learning when I go into government? What am I learning when I go into banking? What am I learning when I go into when I become a lawyer? What am I learning when I become a judge? What am I learning when I work? You have no biblical understanding by which you can measure what you are hearing. How are you going to know that when they teach you that you can put condoms on and have safe sex, that that is unbiblical? How are you going to know that when they teach you, when the, when the kids teach you, no, there's many fish in the sea. Try one. Catch this. No, it's not. How are you going to know? You've got no biblical understanding of courtship. How? You're not going to know how to discern it because you're unable to learn. And the reason is, is because this Bible has never been so practical to us so that we can use it in everyday life. And that's why we have no interest in studying it for our workplace. I can tell you these principles that I'm teaching you. I mean, I don't, I don't have a big company. I can tell you these principles that I'm teaching you. They are very valuable in the workplace, I know. Very valuable for businesses. When the Bible says that Joseph served Potiphar, what are people looking for? Service. What do you complain about? The poor service. 
So you can't say that this word can't teach you. It might not, this word might not be able to tell you um, which house you should take. Or some of those things. Or what business idea you should have. You understand? But it can teach you the principles of those things. That is everywhere. You see, if this book doesn't become to you practical for everyday life, you won't, under, you won't see the necessity of reading it. Daniel knew the law. Joseph knew the law of God. He brought God's wisdom. Daniel brought God's wisdom. Daniel knew when they said to him, come eat at Nebuchadnezzar's table. His meat. He knew the law said you can't eat that meat. Okay? He knew it. Now today it's not the same. Okay? But I'm giving you an example of how Daniel knew that that was not right. Today Christians can't discern. Why? Because we're so mixed. We've got so much mixture. And when there's mixture you can't discern. We've mixed black with white. Light and darkness. We've mixed them together. So you don't know which one is, you don't know what is darkness and you don't know what is light. Because what is gray? It's gray. So how do you know what is darkness and what is light? How do you know what is of God and what is of the devil? This Bible cannot only teach you about your relationship with God. And your salvation. And the celebration of the cross. Do you know. That the Bible says. Give me 1 Corinthians. I'll bring it to a close. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 1. I want to show you something. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Next. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul says, when I came to you, I couldn't preach anything else except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Why could he preach nothing else? Give me 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Why could he preach nothing else? Verses 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So if you're still parking at Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and you can't go on from there, babies... You see, so if you can only use this word to teach you about Jesus Christ, and make no mistake, it's very important to know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But if we just stay there the whole time, those are, in, those are things that are introduced to you when you get saved. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I couldn't speak anything else to you. 
because you were babies. So I only preached Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We can't talk business. Yeah, because you, you still want to know you're forgiven. You're still struggling with guilt. You know? Now, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be sound condemning. That's not what, that's not my point, right? My point out of everything that I'm saying is we need to be able to, to, to make this word that it can apply to every day. So that when I go there, I have a biblical understanding that what I say, I know comes from the word of God. So if I go and I teach on servanthood, I know it comes out of the word. When I teach on service, provide a service to the people. When you teach the people that your word is important, if you say, excuse me, sir, we're not able to help you right now, but I'll find out for you. I'll call you back in two hours. Teach that person. Two hours, he must call back. Not the next day. You understand? People are looking for service. People will leave one place for another place because they get bad service. Another place they get good service. But you must be able to teach that knowing that that's what the word also says. That's not something you learned out of the world. That's something you learned from the Bible. Right? Okay, just give me one more scripture. Uh, Genesis 30 verses 25. Oh, leave that one. I'll read that next week. Colossians 3.22. Let me close here. In your school, you've got to be different. You have to be peculiar. Colossians 3.22 Servants, obey your, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men pleases, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. I'll take that principle and I'll not only apply it in work, I'll apply it in school. If in school, the only time you behave when the teacher is around, that's called eye service. That means you can only give service when the eye is on you. Someone has to constantly be standing there and watching you so that you can do your work. The teacher can't leave this class because you might just mess the class up. You can only listen when the teacher is there. It's called eye service. That's what eye service. As men pleases. You can only please when the man is around. When the man is around, come on, You know, I was you know We were in school. The teacher's out. Hey, son, you up. Hey, brah, who can it? You know, then you get up from your chair, quickly check out. One stands at the door, one is watcher, right? You got everybody in place. I'm Hey, the teacher's coming. How do you sit up stool? Still in the class. You see, it's old eye service. It's called men pleasers. We do our work the same. Servants obeying all things.
You understand what I'm, what I'm saying? We've got to see how practical the word is in every day. And how what we can give, how the advice that we can give can become biblical. We don't have to even quote the scriptures. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Father, we just thank